Welcome to Life Notes with Sheldon, where we talk about ways to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you. Good afternoon, friends. Thank you for joining me on this special episode of Life Notes with Sheldon. We thank you for tuning in to this great uh, American tradition and uh, freedom of speech. Things that I think sometimes we often take for granted in our country and uh, must always preserve, must always protect. Today, I want to wax autobiographical with you, if you'll bear with me. See, there's an important story that I want to tell because I think it might can help and inspire some of those around you. And it's something that means a lot to me. And so maybe it'll mean something to you. Some time around the year 1998, 1999, I was a senior in high school, Farmington High School. What a great place. What a cool place. And I didn't particularly like school. I was ready to be done with it. And I was ready to be done with the, what felt like a prison sentence sometimes. You know, despite having wonderful friends, wonderful experiences and learning opportunities, I was ready to go out into the real world and be a part of what was going on in the great beyond. And I thought that uh, leaving high school would mean leaving some of the petty arguments and silly fights and silliness and pettiness and sometimes fakeness of people. And I, like you, realized that much like in Finding Nemo, when they finally get out of the dental office and they get out into the ocean and they're stuck in the bag and they're like, oh, what now? What do we do now? You know, I got out into the real world and found out that most ironically, it's all one giant high school on a giant political stage, right? We have the, the craziness and the pettiness and the cheap shots and, and all of the things that we thought we were getting away from, we didn't get away from. They're just on a, on a grander scale. And how important it is that we isolate and insulate ourselves from the craziness and the pettiness and the things that we want to get away from, the things that, you know, are not good for us and and embrace the positivity of it. What are the positive things? What are the things we can find that toxicity into your system? Because it's hard to get out. It takes invasive procedures if you let it in there too long and make sure at all costs that you're not being that toxic person, that you're not being that toxic influence to someone else around you. So... Sometime during the course of a springtime in New Mexico, I came across a a young lady by way of her friend, Katie Churchill at the time. Uh, You know, I thought I was going to go to senior prom with one person. It didn't work out. And uh, thankfully, it didn't work out. And I decided it was kind of a waste of money and a waste of time. And I was telling her, you know, I'm I'm done with this. This is dumb. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of this. Blah, I'm not going to go. And she said, well, why don't you ask Mandy Costelli. Now, I had seen this beautiful, radiant woman a time or two in school, and she had a pair that was like a Pantene commercial, these eyes that seemed to be like an Arabian princess, an incredible set of legs that many people had noticed and some of her friends were jealous of, but her beautiful photogenic model of a face and perfect complexion. And you know what was most beautiful about this incredible, radiant angel presence was her soul that shined through her skin, that shined through her whole body and seemed to be around her. And up until that point, I had noticed her some, but hadn't really ever considered in something about what that lady said that day. That young lady just was like a light switch that flipped. And I thought, why don't I? You're absolutely right. That's what I need to do. 
And, you know, when I decide to do things in life, it's my personality and nature to do them big and to do them all the way and to go pull out all the stops, if you will. So I decided to have some beautiful roses delivered to her fourth hour right before lunch. And I made a cheesy little poem that said, if you want to find the reasons why, at the end of it, said, well, if you want to find the reasons why, drive downtown and read the signs. Now, in high school, I had two of the coolest jobs ever. I mean, so fun. You remember the Brass Apple Hotel down at the Holiday Inn? It was just a cool place, fun restaurant, you know, kind of a classy joint. And uh, when I was about 16, I got my first real job there playing the piano on Friday nights for guests and people that came to eat. I remember Brent Christensen seemed to came every Friday night with his princess, his wife, Kieran Christensen. They came in there always so stoically kind and and reverential in the way that they treated each other. You know, when I set my sights for being a father and a husband, he really is my target for that. A wonderful prince of a man. They used to come in and anyhow, I would play there Friday nights. And then later on, I, I ended up playing over at the Riverwalk on Saturday nights. That wonderful restaurant. Cool, cool place. Man, I miss that place. We don't have a classy place like that. and We need one. If you're thinking about opening a restaurant like that, please do. So I'd play there on Friday and Saturday nights. And I went over and begged and pleaded with them to get up on the signs. You know, the signs were back then white lights that kind of were digital, but not quite like they are today. And so I had on one of them, it said, Mandy, Gee, what a girl. And the other sign said, Mandy, will you go to prom with me? Piano boy. And so, you know, what a girl is still a phrase that I use today, and I've abbreviated it to WAG. And sometimes I will call her WAG and and sign things, uh, you know, little love notes and things and call her that. It stands for what a girl. So Katie took her and she gave me the flowers and I told Katie uh, specifically where to take her and where to go look at the signs there in the Brass Apple parking lot where she could see the sign across the street and that sign. And there's a picture that Katie, I'm assuming, took of her in that Ford Tempo with the biggest grin on her face. She thought, who is this crazy person, right? Well, she said yes. And I am so grateful because I fell as much in love as a person can possibly fall in love at age 18 With this princess of a woman, I fell so hard because she was so incredibly kind, because she was so incredibly intelligent, so incredibly mature beyond her age. Her circumstances required it. There was something about her that I couldn't get out of my mind, couldn't get out of my heart. So for our second date, she says it is, you know, I would do some things. I would go and I got her truck once and borrowed it. I went and detailed it, filled it up with gas. I just, I wanted to serve her. I wanted to be her helper. I wanted to make her life easier. And I think a true sign of love and big beginnings of love is that you want to make someone's life easier. You want to serve them. Because love isn't self-serving. Love isn't what you can get. It's what can you give for the other person. The beauty of true, miraculous, wonderful love beyond the fairy tale is two people coming together and serving the other, wanting to make the other's life easier and thus creating this incredible state of bliss and love. That's what love is. Give me a while to learn that. I'm still working on it. We're getting closer. Much, much closer and much more consistent. So I would do things like this, surprise her little notes, little things like this, and recorded some music and had a friend give it to her on a bus when they were leaving town, little little things, and she did these little things for me, put balloons in my truck once and took mine and cleaned it, and we did these little things, and I planned a date, and it was kind of the date of all dates, or so I thought. 
my grandmother lived out in Kirtland and she had an indoor swimming pool and a beautiful deck patio that was off it and a tree and it was just a quaint little place there and uh, so I got my friend I, first of all I got her on a Friday night to go on a date with me and uh, after I played at the uh, Holiday Inn there at the Brass Apple. I got a plate of pasta and some food and put on the table. Nice spread there. But I had Westby Hunan and I think maybe Spencer Buchanan, possibly Nathan Kimpton, my best friend at the time. They came and they helped me get it ready for this date. My grandmother had been out of town. And so I thought, you know what? Why not wheel the piano out onto the deck? Mandy loves music. I love music. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? So we wheeled the piano out through the pool room, out onto the patio and put it there put a table out there. I put white lights up in the tree, made sure that they were connected with an extension cord and that one of them wasn't bad and made the whole thing go bad. Do you remember that? Frustrating with lights. One would go bad and they'd all go off. I made sure they were on and I decorated it and I had this table for two out there. Had the dining room table set up with all of the nice glasses and things for a beautiful candlelight dinner. And when I got off there that night, I got off early and had her meet me. And I drove her out, but I said, you have to stay blindfolded. You can't see where we're going. And she trusted me at age 18, which is probably scary. But there was something about the trust that we had from the very beginning. We knew we could trust each other. And she trusted me to blindfold her and drive her about 20 minutes out to Kirtland. And I had her walk and took off the blindfold when the table was placed. We had this incredible meal. And then I said, well, there's something else. Took her out onto the deck where there was a piano and there were lights and there was the table for two with dessert. Everything set perfectly. And you know what? I played some music for her and she sang a couple of songs because uh, something I didn't tell you is that she also has the voice of an angel aside from being an angel, where she truly is. She has the voice of an angel and she sang magnificent, beautiful singing that filled the air. It was just a... A fairy tale kind of a thing, like something you'd see in a movie, those things that don't happen every day. It was so special. And we came in, we had our last dance for the evening there in the living room, and it was the Mariah Carey song, here in the dark, you know, open arms. And so that song has always meant a lot to me. And we had that song and had a final dance. And then, of course, it was time to go home. One of us was going to turn into a pumpkin or get in big trouble for not getting home uh, by curfew. So I had to drive her back into town and boy, I missed her. I missed not being with her. I did. So prom came along and I decided to do something else special for her. So I wrote her a song and I had her drive up to Lane and Susan Allen, let me use their home and their beautiful Steinway grand piano. And we came and I played a song for her that I wrote, and then I played a song with a Barry Manilow song, Mandy, which is the song that she was named after. So we drive up to this beautiful home, and they allow us to do this, and then they come out and meet us, and I had some flowers for her, and so we went to prom and had a good time, you know, dances were not really either one of our things, we kind of got a little nervous about just being there with all the people, we even today like to be together in smaller situations, and... uh but anyhow, it was just a magical night, and we had so much fun, and I took her home, and we dated for a while after that. And then something happened. Um, I don't know was, but uh, we kind of drifted a little bit, and she kind of started not answering my calls or letters, and, and it just kind of ended. And man, I was heartbroken. You remember heartbreak as a teenager, and how damning and permanent it felt at the time? Man, it was a hole in my soul. 
And I got a little obstinate and I was driving and I told my friend Nathan Kimpton, my best friend at the time, so I thought, I hope, you know, you always hope your best friend reciprocates that and they think you're their best friend. Well, I thought he was mine, truly was, spent a lot of time with him, had a lot of fun and crazy experiences with that uh, young man. So Katie, the one that said, hey, you should take Mandy, ended up marrying him. Our best friends ended up marrying each other, something we never would have suspected, ever. It's a really cool thing. So I was driving with him. Back then it was, uh, you got to, it was an open campus. And so you got to actually leave high school and go eat. It was a terrible idea, you know, created a lot of trouble. But man, it was fun. So we're driving out, you know, going to lunch. And I said, you know what? Mandy Castelli is going to come back begging. She's going to come back on her knees for Mr. Pickering. And you know what I'm going to say? I'm just going to say good luck. I'm going to, you know, it's not going to happen kind of thing. So anyhow, I left it at that. And, you know, you have that defining moment where the heartache kind of ends. I would pulled in late to zero hour history as usual, running to rush in. And the song, the Phil Collins, You'll Be In My Heart, came on. And, you know, I left it at that, and I said, and I knew, she'll be in my heart. And after that, I was able to come to grips with uh, that and, and just leave it at the fact that she would be in my heart. And she has been forever since. And an interesting thing happened. I served a mission in Mexico City for two years, and about a year through it, almost a year and a half or so, about a year, I received a note from Mandy Castelli. Now, it probably helped that I was writing her roommate at the time. Mm, 70% of it because I liked her roommate. She was a really cool girl, but probably a 35% or more was because I knew it would annoy her. Maybe just a little bit, cruel though it was, but I think it helped expedite the letter that she wrote. Because in it was the prophetic apology of, you know what, I'm so sorry that I hurt you the way I did. I didn't realize that I did, and I'm sorry I did. I don't know why I did but I hope we can be friends. And friends we were, because for almost a year I was able to correspond only with mail and an occasional email with this wonderful princess of a woman. And so it's interesting, our courtship was by mail. When was the last time that happened in in a long time? And so it was really neat because you'd have to wait a week to hear from the person. There'd be that anticipation. Will they answer your question? Will they remember it? And it was really a cool way to get to know each other. And so when I came back, panicky in Dallas, I called and said, Dad, please make sure that Mandy's there. I wanted her to feel welcome. I wanted her to feel that I was proud of her. I wanted her to feel that uh, she was important to me. And so I purchased some flowers there in the airport and had them in the Farmington airport when I came home and gave them to her. And I had a couple other friends that were girls there and my mother and my grandmother. And I think everyone wondered who was going to get the flowers. I think when she got the bouquet, I think people understood what was going on and understood where my heart was. And it took a while because I was, I was, you know, I wanted to explore options, find out what the future was going to bring. And she had to kind of bring me along. She was kind of the uh, driving force at that time where I was the first time. But uh, she'll never forget the time that I first showed a real sign of affection because, you know, you come home from a mission for two years. There's no girls, no association. So it's a little awkward. And I would pat her head, you know, I just pat her head like everything's going to be okay. It was the way I showed I love you. And then she remembers the first night that we just held hands and held each other and how much it meant to her and how she just knew. And so I knew I wanted to marry this beautiful woman. Every night was just heartache to leave her presence. I loved her so much for who she was and only had a small inkling of the marvelous nature of this 
companion and friend of mine. And so somewhere around Christmas, I made up an excuse to go to Salt Lake City and said I needed to go do a recording thing and do something in a studio, which seemed very believable because I was doing some music recording around that time and asked if she'd want to go with me, knowing that she would. Well, I had a plan that she didn't know about. And so we went up there, and when we got there, we stayed the evening at her uncle's home. She on the third floor, me down in the basement, something like that. And and she woke me up. I'll never forget it. It was the tenderest thing. She came in and ran her hand through my hair and said, hey, it's time to get up. Oh, most amazing thing. I'll never forget that experience of having this angel of a woman who I loved awake me tenderly and beautifully as only she can. And so she was getting ready. I went in and I asked her, you know, she was doing her hair. I said, well, black or white? And she says, what are you talking about? And I said, black or white? And she had no idea what it was. And she's like, uh, I don't know. What is it? You have to tell me. I said, I can't. It's a surprise. And she said, black. So I arranged for black. And we went to the um, beautiful historic hotel in downtown Salt Lake where they were showing this uh, this movie called Testaments. And we went into this beautiful, ornate theater and we watched it. And of course, it was touching and beautiful and, and, and very, uh, according to the values that we had, it was meaningful. And as we left, we were coming out of this beautiful building and there was a long stretch black limousine there. And there was a man with the door opened and we came over and, you know, she was very nervous with me sometimes because I'm so forward and I just will talk to anybody. And so she was a little nervous, like, you know, let's not go there. But I'm like, let's talk to this guy. And I said, well, who is this amazing car for? This must be for someone really special. And he said, yeah, it's for a Miss Mandy Costelli. She looked at me with shocked eyes and disbelief. And we got into that black limousine and we toured the beautiful Salt Lake area, went up to the Capitol building where we could overlook the town. And by the time we got back to that historic hotel with the beautiful restaurant called The Roof on top that overlooks the magnificent Salt Lake skyline and temple and a beautiful, truly classy, classy restaurant. We'd pulled off. We had 45 minutes left at the limo time. So we saw this group of kids and we said, hey, you want to ride? Why don't you guys take the rest of the time and enjoy it? But she'd always wanted to be proposed to with a ring rock, you know, a candy ring rock that you wear. So I pulled out these ring rocks and I said, don't answer me yet. It's not the question. So I took her up to the restaurant and she didn't know this, but I had arranged with the pianist there to play some of the songs that were most meaningful to her and to us and our relationship, things we'd listen to, but some of her favorite songs. So shortly after the dinner, when it was coming that time, the piano started playing most of her favorite songs. And then it played the Barry Manilow song. This beautiful pianist played Mandy. And at that point, they brought a beautiful little porcelain container provided by our local Garcia and Company Jewelers. It was a beautiful thing. And, and when she opened it, along with the little treats they'd prepared, little mints and things on that plate, it said, will you marry me? And I'll never forget the look on her face of shock and excitement and wonder and, of course, the yes in her eyes and heart. And I said, well, you can't answer yet. Not the place. So we went out to the outdoors, and cool though it was, and knelt down by this little glowing fountain. And at that point, I knelt down and opened a ring she opened and I said will you marry me I wanted to ask you the right way and she put on the ring and said yes it happened to be a ring that she had picked only in dreams did not think that she would actually get and I probably couldn't have afforded and didn't but uh, thanks Garcia and company for your financing options and and for uh, <laughs> uh, however it worked out it did she got the ring she wanted but I got the incredible 
angel of a woman that I wanted. And hopefully she got a prince of a man who can be a frog at times and who she had to remind was a prince and help along to be a prince. But that's the story of how Mandy Costelli and Sheldon Pickering came to be a team, came to be a partnership, came to be a love story that has endured 20 years. 20 years in February, 20 years together. Every heartache, every hug, every kiss, every joy, every pain, every sorrow has gone on for 20 magnificent years. And Mandy, hey, if you're listening, I hope you are. We have a tradition of listening to the show every Saturday we get a chance. My love for you has not changed. It has only grown. My admiration for you has grown tenfold and more. You are a magnificent creature. You are a godly woman and a beautiful and inspiring soul. I love you, and I love the mother that you are, and the person that you are, and the professional that you are, but the companion and friend, the helpmeet, the lover, the giver, the inspirer that you are, and the incredible person that you have become and are becoming. I am a better me because of you. I have hope because of you. Because of you, I have seen and felt the ability to become who I should be. And my love, I hope in time to become that prince of a man, Brent Christensen, if you will. And I could name some other wonderful, wonderful examples of husband and fathers. But whoever I'd name, it would have to be the very, very best of all, because that's who you deserve, simply and nothing less. And your love and your tenderness and your kindness to our family and your radiant beauty inspire me to be a better man each day and every moment. And I hereby promise you before these witnesses and myself that I will work to be who you deserve. And it's going to take 24-7 work because you deserve only the very best, my princess and love. Friends, I hope you have a good love story. I hope you do. And if you don't, I hope you start to write one. That love being two people serving each other is something that it took me a while to learn and that we're learning more and more each day. But as we do... And as we serve in love, we can create this atmosphere of peace and joy. You know, it took me 20 years to start to find out what true love is and how to be a true person who loves. But every day, in every way, we're getting better and better. Even when we fall down, we're getting back up. So go wherever you are today and go hug your wife. Tell her that you love her. Hug your husband. Do something. Serve your family. Serve that person that you love. Because it'll build up, and like a boomerang, it'll always come back to you. What we put forth in the world, that great magnificent law of reciprocity is truth. Go and love. Go and be. And thanks for sharing our story. Because you're a part of it. Our community. Our family. Hey, I'll see you on Life Notes next week with Sheldon. Until then, go out and love. been listening to Life Notes with Sheldon. Listen every week for a brand new note on life. We hope that we have given you a way to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you. You.